Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Welcome to FX Moment, which is part of our Fick Focus podcast series. My name is Audrey Child Freeman. I am the Chief G10 FX Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence, and I will be joined by Stephen Chu, who is our Chief Asia FX and Rate Strategist. So at a time of extreme dollar strength, and as market participants are wondering whether we can contemplate a peak in the US dollar and or what could trigger a, a dollar reversal, how soon is that going to happen? And a lot of unknown um, question marks. I thought it'd be interesting today to look at the subject of FX valuation and fair value levels. And with that respect, we built our own Bloomberg Intelligence BER model, which basically looks at key drivers for various currency players. And we have a focus on G10 today. And the four drivers are the relative terms of trade, business investment as a percentage of GDP, nominal yield differential, and inflation differential. I will, I will, I will quick, Stephen will give us uh, more detail about how we build the model and the methodology and any question, hopefully we'll answer any question you may have on the subject, but I will very quickly share the key findings that we had at the end of the second quarter. Uh, and the bottom line is that at the end of Q2, our model suggested that the dollar was overvalued against most G10 FX currencies, G10 currencies, with the exception of the Euro, ironically. In fact, our fair value estimate for Euro dollar was close to 0.98, which again, in, you know, a few weeks back or even a couple of months back would have been highly questionable, but uh, in the current context and given the recent price action, it certainly, it looks very current and very feasible. And uh, beyond, the, beyond the Euro, uh, just a, a key interesting numbers that we found uh, in our model results uh, was that the Nokia was the most undervalued against the dollar, about 67% undervalued. Uh, but we also had the yen 25% undervalued even sterling, 15% undervalued, uh, or again, the Swedish krona, which uh, was 34% undervalued uh, at the end of the second quarter. So we basically update the model on a quarterly basis. And we, I mean, we are very cautious with the way we interpret the model and the way we use the model, but we feel it's relevant. It's, uh, it's an added value to the range of tools you have when you think about the FX market outlook and currency prospects. And it seems that the dollar is overvalued at the moment. And it's also that goes in line with other indicators that we like to look at, like how expensive is the dollar on a historical basis. And again, the dollar is about 12% um, and 17% respectively above its five and 10 year average. Uh, and also, if the market is long US dollar, even though not just as long and as overstretched as it was in previous peaks, in, in previous cycles, 
it's the market is still long. So all those indicators tend to suggest that we are due for a correction, we are due for a pullback. But we think that alone, that's not enough to trigger a reversal, given, given the current market environment, given the drivers. So we come back to the same old conclusion. If you want the dollar to, if you expect a dollar to reverse into the second half of the year, you need to be more positive about the risk environment, risk outlook. You feel, need to feel comfortable that we may have reached a low in the equity market at, at near those levels, um, and we're not. So for now, we just uh, take, uh, we're just waiting, trying to identify a catalyst that could um, trigger uh, a, a change in trend in the dollar, but we feel we're not there just yet. And the model is very interesting. The results are very relevant, uh, and we will refer to it in due course, uh, and it will be a further reason for adjusting to a weaker dollar outlook, but it's just not, uh, for the time being, this, we're not comfortable with calling for a reversal. Uh, but that's, uh, that's about it for, uh, for the results as to what we found. But I, I thought it'd be quite interesting now if Stephen can come in and give us more of an insight as to how we built the model and and how we come to the conclusion, what, what, why do we choose a particular drivers and not others? And um, so maybe just start by telling us uh, more about the equilibrium exchange rate model. No problem. Thank you, Audrey. So <laughs> over the years, there have been different models for equilibrium exchange rates, but three models really stood out in terms of popularity and credibility. The first one is the purchasing power parity model or the PPP model, which is really the oldest theory of FX determination. And it suggests that nominal exchange rate should evolve to neutralize competitiveness changes induced by price movement across economies. The second one is a fundamental equilibrium exchange rate model or the theory model. And this one focuses on external imbalance and it's based on equating one economy's current account with its um, well, a sustainable capital account. Last but not least is the behavioral equilibrium exchange rate model or the beer model. And this is the approach that we have adopted. So this beer model is based on regressing a number of macroeconomic variables that could affect the exchange rate in the medium to long term. Uh, generally speaking, FX models tend to offer relatively low predictive power and should be only be used as an extra input to complement FX analysis and strategies. And that's also uh, what, how we deal with the model uh, right now. Of course, conviction about any particular FX course may increase if um, the FX valuation results from the model aligns uh, with our conclusion that's usually based on fundamental and technical analysis. So all in all, um, we picked the, this beer model methodology after um, striking a balance between economic intuition and also a not so low predictive power. Great, thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about our BER model specifically? 
Yes, no problem. So our BI Bureau model focuses on generating a quote-unquote fair value for each currency. And we, uh, we have chosen to focus on bilateral exchange rates, especially against the US dollar, which is what many people focused on. So um, this framework was initiated uh, by Clark and McDonald in 1998. So we adopt that and modify it by shedding light on four economically significant factors or drivers. Here we use quarterly data and we run regression up to the quarter before the latest available quarter. And then we apply the coefficients to the latest quarterly data available and obtain an out of sample forecast. So that's how we obtain um, the very value forecast for various um, G10 currencies right now. So what we'll do going forward is we will repeat this process on a rolling basis every quarter as we get all the new data for each economy. So the, the four-factor input, um, Audrey has also mentioned it earlier, and I'll repeat due to the importance. So um, all these four factors, we look at it um, relative to the US, obviously. And so we have the relative terms of trade, relative investment as a percentage of GDP, nominal yield differentials, and last but not least, uh, headline inflation differentials. So these four variables are selected because they are widely recognized as important FX drivers with very limited multicollinearity risk. Now, so far uh, we have run regression for the major G10 pairs against the dollar and some of them against the Euro and found that the, explan the explanation power of the four factors selected has been relatively high. Like we got a, a adjusted R square of over 0 0.7. Uh, basically for all of the, the G10 currencies, only except the Japanese yen and the Swedish krona. And historically speaking, the gaps between the spot prices and our beer values tend to close within 18 months. So that wasn't too bad. Now, nonetheless, um, recent supply chain bottlenecks because of um, China, because of the Russia-Ukraine war, um, elevated inflation and the Fed's rising hawkishness uh, might have led to some uh, widening deviation in some of the currencies. But nonetheless, it's still, um, it's still a good reference for us. So the model itself might work better for G10 developed economies and currencies, given their more consistent data quality and also better data availability. Applying this model to EM economies or currencies may face challenges like missing data points, relatively small sample sizes, and a market illiquidity. Now, uh, that said, for completion's sake going forward, we still plan to expand the model into EM currency space, especially for EM Asian currencies. So do stay tuned uh, regarding this update. And last but not least, we will also strive to improve the existing BI beer model by fine tuning the input for um, each specific currency it depends on which currency we're looking at. For example, let's uh, look at for the Japanese yen. The yen tends to play as a safe haven currency before, if not during this juncture. So going forward, like it may make sense to add, say, a measure of market risk appetite, and hopefully that could improve the predictive power of the dollar yen model. So that's something that we are planning to do going forward. But otherwise, that's a wrap of the BIB model. That's great. That's uh, that's super interesting. If you have any question or if you want to read more about 
how we built our model and our latest results, you can do that uh, by consulting a dashboard on the Bloomberg Terminal BI space C-U-R-R. So this concludes our FX Moment podcast. Thank you for listening in. I hope you found it interesting. And until next time, goodbye.